Baskets, episode number 201. It's Thursday, May 30th, 2019. I'm Shane Downey. What's up, everybody? This is Johnny Mono. Here to bring you some news in the world of video games, comic books, and a little bit of NBA Finals action at the end of the show. And lots to discuss this week. We have a Death Stranding trailer that actually has gameplay footage. Holy cow. Never thought I'd see the day. We have a launch date. It's nine minutes long. We'll talk about our thoughts there. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate gets a Labo VR mode. What the hell does that entail? I don't know. We're going to tell you. There's some new Pokemon games and services coming soon. Phil Spencer, of course, of Microsoft, tweets some big teasers for some news coming from Microsoft at E3. It's going to be a big E3 for Microsoft, it sounds like. We'll discuss some games we've been playing. Also touch on AEW's Double or Nothing. That's the new wrestling promotion headlined by guys like Cody Rhodes. And NBA Finals, as I mentioned, we do have a book of the week. It is Batman Last Night on Earth. Night, like the Dark Knight. Kid oh, knight. And let's just dive right in here on the Bits, Bits, and Baskets podcast. First, starting with the Death Stranding trailer. So... We've been seeing some form of trailer for this game for about two years now. I think it was E3 two years ago where we first saw this thing. That sounds about right. And I remember we were shocked that Norman Reedus, number one, was basically playing himself in a a video game. So it wasn't just a situation of like, oh, he's a voice actor. It's like, no, that's Norman Reedus straight up. Yeah. And there's honestly a number of notable actors and actresses in this video game. I know Guillermo del Toro also makes somewhat of an appearance. I don't That's know right. how big his character is going to be. But Norman Reedus is basically going to be a playable character in this game. And, well, we actually got to see some gameplay footage, which I'm glad we finally saw. Yes. It's been a while. I was also excited that it wasn't entirely first person. So this no. might actually be a game I can stomach. That is true. So we have a launch date. It's going to be November 8th. 2019. Wait, 2019? 2019. That's this year. Yeah. I can't believe that. (laughs) So here's the thing. Uh, We already know we're not getting the PlayStation 5 in 2019. I had assumed at this point that this game would be a launch title for whatever the next generation of consoles is. I was right there with you. And this is a Sony exclusive. It's worth pointing out. I think this is going to be very similar to something like The Last of Us, which was like the big last AAA title push on the PS3. Yeah. And then once the PS4 came out, they immediately came out with an upgraded version. That makes sense. So I think that's what we're going to see here. That's just my gut feeling. But let's talk about what we saw in that trailer. So long story short, it was nine minutes long and I'm just as confused as ever. Yeah, I can't say that I understand exactly what the game is about, but there was a little uh, little bit of nuggets here and there that might have given us more details than we had. So Hideo Kojima, obviously well-known for the Metal Gear Solid franchise, and you could see elements of that in here, although story-wise, we're looking at something very different. Uh, what could you pick up on the story? I know for a game like this, you would probably be be more invested in the story than I would, potentially. I'm more interested in seeing what the gameplay is. Looks like we got a, a lot of stealth action as far as the gameplay is concerned. Of course, similar to Metal Gear, 
but what did you see? So the thing that struck me most odd, first and foremost, is the trailer launches pretty quickly into the fact that you're based in America in this game. It's not some alien world. It's not uh, out in space. It is America. So Norman Reedus is talking to either a, a congresswoman, maybe the president, but some high-level official in the White House, basically on a deathbed, and they're talking about, oh, you know, th- this was what's going to bring America together again. So it's going to have some kind of political intrigue. I don't know what, but that already is something that we had no idea. Based on the original trailers that we saw, I didn't think this was going to be based in any real form of reality. So the fact that it has that little element of realism already has me slightly intrigued more than I was. Yeah, there, there's definitely so much going on in this this concept and in this story where there's seriously, clearly some sort of post-apocalyptic environment. Uh, the babies have special superpowers. I don't know what's, what's going on here. Yeah, it seems like... Uh... So the Norman Reedus character was in a situation... Are the babies important? Is it like a Children of Men situation? Have you seen that movie? I have not. Okay, Children of Men is basically like women stop getting pregnant, so the the world is going to cease population, but then one woman randomly gets pregnant, and they're like, holy shit, we need to protect this baby. It's Hope Summers. And it seemed like this baby that's in this jar is in like full protect mode. Yeah, it does seem that way as well in this story. Uh what I'm gathering is that... Before I be- get skewered, I haven't seen that movie in a long time, so it's possible I got that <laughs> plot slightly wrong. But go ahead. Uh, it seems like in this one, it's maybe like a symbiotic relationship. Like, they're protecting the baby, but they're also using the baby for these superpowers. So it seems like Norman Reedus's character is in a situation where maybe he's unaware of his surroundings. He's looking around. He can't tell what's attacking him. And then he talks about, like, all right, time to plug in the baby. And he takes out like what looks like maybe uh, a robotic umbilical cord or some kind of like a snorkel type device, plugs it in avatar style to uh, a part of his suit. And all of a sudden he has like these daredevil powers where he's got extra senses and he can see things around him that maybe he couldn't see before. So I thought that was interesting. Like, okay, so the baby serves a purpose and it's not just some kind of weird escort mission. Like you're getting something out of that. Like I said, for a nine-minute long trailer, most nine-minute long trailers for a video game, you're going to know exactly what you're getting yourself into. I think they have intentionally kept this one close to the vest. And within a, with a release date, within about six months or so, uh, it's it's impressive that they've been able to do so. There's no doubt in my mind that this will be a lengthy adventure, whatever it is. So there's going to be some secrets up until that launch day that are that are kept close and tight and Kojima he's he's known for doing some wacky stuff and he's always kind of in a way I don't know if being held back is the right word but you got the sense his exit from Konami may have been toward due to creative differences if yeah. you will so I think this is his coming out party to just do whatever the hell he wants yeah and you know I, I'm all for it. I want to see how crazy it can get. Uh, I like stuff that's kind of bizarre, surreal, off the wall. I enjoy that. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see how long of an experience it is, especially gameplay-wise. My biggest... Uh, like, I actually really enjoy the Metal Gear games, but when I go from, from gameplay 
to a half hour cutscene, chances are you're not going to hold my interest for that entire cutscene. And then I want to get back into the gameplay. So I'm hoping that with this game, if they want to have it, like, like Metal Gear Solid 4, which I played a, a solid amount of, is known for having, I, I forget what the final tally is, but it's it's in the tens of 20s, of 30s, of 40s hours of cutscenes. Yeah, if you they play went crazy through, with it because the it was the game. first Blu-ray. True. Uh, so th- there's just dozens of hours of cutscenes in that game. And for the first like half of playing through that game, I was into it. And then eventually I just got tired of it because I want to play a game. I don't want to watch a movie. So that's me. And I know other people are different. Uh, but I'm hoping that they at least find a good balance uh, with something like Death Stranding. See, and I- I'm looking at it from another perspective where I hope that it doesn't adopt too much from Metal Gear Solid gameplay-wise in that I really don't like stealth missions at all. I don't like feeling like I need to sneak around. I feel like if you're going to have a character that's going to be super heroic, I want him to be bombastic. I want him to be able to go toe-to-toe with the bad guy. I don't know that Norman Reedus is going to be able to do that unless the baby gives him some super armor or whatever. So we'll see gameplay-wise if I'm going to be into it. You know, one minor nitpicky thing and issue I had with the the PS4 Spider-Man game was the MJ stealth missions. I just found them so tedious. Yeah, I was not a fan of those at all. I did everything I could to just get through them as quickly as possible and get back to uh, Spider-Man where you could actually do a little bit more combat. Yeah, like at least in the Spider-Man stealth missions, you could just unstealth yourself and kick ass anyway. Yes. Like MJ, Mary Jane, you don't have that option. As soon as you expose yourself, you have to start the mission all over again. Yeah, yeah. And those missions, sometimes they were pretty lengthy too. Yep. So it's like you get 20 minutes in and then you step out of the shadow for a second and start over. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited for Death Stranding. Uh, it's pretty cool that it's coming out this year. PS4, it needs some help to to kind of close out its life cycle. And I think this will be a big final get for them maybe we hear some things from third parties at e3 about upcoming games for the ps4 but we already know that sony isn't going to have a presence there at least not individually so i'm hoping we get some surprises because come holiday season i don't know are we only going to be buying switch games that might be the case i kind of thought that that's what this year was going to look like for me anyhow I know that right now, Sony's big push title is, what is it, Days Gone or whatever? Yep, and people are I pretty have, lukewarm on that. I have zero interest in that game. It does yeah, not look I'm okay anything like I want. I'm okay that one out. Yep. Uh, speaking of Nintendo, um, well, you also, it sounds like the soundtrack's going to be pretty cool with this Death Stranding game as well, right? Yeah, are you familiar with the band Apocalyptica? I am familiar in name only. Ah, uh, see, this is a band that I have been a fan of for quite some time. Uh, basically, you take a, a band that does hard rock, almost heavy metal, but with cellos. Okay. I can get it's behind like, okay, that. It's, it's interesting to me. And I've always enjoyed that kind of thing where it's like, okay, you're taking a, a completely different angle on metal. And so far, they've done the music for the trailer. I don't know if they're going to be scattered throughout the game otherwise or if they'll uh, give more than one song. But the one song that they used in the trailer, fantastic. Good stuff. So pre-orders are up already. If you want to get this on day one, obviously I'm sure there's going to be collector's editions and all that jazz. 
Uh, it's not coming to Switch. <laughs> worth pointing that out. Uh, no surprise there. This looks to be a monstrous game. And, you know, some Metal Gear Solid games came to, like, GameCube. You got a remake down the road. So maybe we see uh, a Switch version in a couple years. But I wouldn't count on it. No, especially because they're really pushing the 4K capabilities of this game. And they're really gearing it towards the PS4 Pro. I'm sure it'll run on a regular PS4, but everything that we saw was PS4 Pro, 4K capture. So I, I think they're really trying to push this one as the uh, the big AAA powerhouse title. All right. Smash Brothers Ultimate gets a VR mode. Yep, you heard it here. Uh, so Nintendo isn't shying away from adding VR modes to their flagship titles. We've seen it in Mario Odyssey. We've seen it in Zelda Breath of the Wild. Now adding it to Smash Brothers. It, Mario and Zelda individual games, that makes sense. Whether the, the quality is higher or not, it makes sense that you could incorporate VR into those video games. Smash Brothers. Now, I, I'm not a Smash Brothers guy, so I don't know that I'm all that interested in, in normal Smash Brothers. I am definitely not interested in VR Smash Brothers. Yeah, this one struck me as very odd. I definitely understand Nintendo's push to utilize the VR capabilities that you get with the Labo kit. Totally understand where they're coming from on that. Obviously, you want to make use of it with your flagship titles, like you had said. And when you look at a game like Zelda Breath of the Wild or Super Mario Odyssey, the entirety of the game is in the fact that it's in these immersive environments, these huge, expansive worlds, and you spend a lot of the time just looking around your environment, seeing what's there, and doing that in VR was one of those like, oh, well, now you can do it in first person, you can do it in VR, you kind of feel a little bit more immersed in that environment. I don't think more than a thought and a half about the environment that I'm in in a fighting game. Yeah, not at all. I, I don't get the appeal to this. And then on top of that, like if you are playing Zelda VR, you have the Joy-Con strapped to the side of the VR unit and you're holding it up up against your face. With Smash Brothers, you have to hold it up to your face with one hand and then you have a loose Joy-Con in the other. Like... It just sounds very uncomfortable and doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, I really don't understand the thought process here. Uh, again, other than the fact, like you said, it's a flagship title, but it seems like they're really forcing it where they could have done better. I think that if they're going to put it into a game, why not put it into something like, I don't know, Splatoon? Splatoon's an interesting one. Uh, supposedly there's an arms add-on in the works. That one I could kind of see, but at the same time, because the unit isn't strapped to your head, it's very hard to recreate a proper VR experience. So, yeah, arms would be really weird because they really pushed the motion controls. Yeah. So trying to do that with the Joy-Cons, unless they can come up with a head strap. With that said, it's a free add-on. Yeah, it doesn't really, you know, it's not costing anything if you want to try it. Yeah, the uh, price if, is definitely right. If you already have the VR unit, you already have it all put together, you might as well give it a shot. Uh, but I don't think we will be doing a Smash Brothers comprehensive VR review on this show. I am still curious about the Zelda. I know it's come out with some mixed results, but 
I'm almost $40 curious to go and buy the Labo kit just to I'm, give it a shot. I'm actually surprised to hear you would want to try that just given your motion sickness concerns. But I think in the case of Zelda, uh, it wouldn't be fast action VR. So I could just tilt my head slowly. If I start feeling motion sick, I can stand stationary. Perhaps. Just kind of look off in the distance. I, I've heard a lot of people say because the the visual quality isn't very high, that it's it just doesn't. It's going to cause motion sickness for everyone. Oh, maybe you're right. But forty dollars versus the expense of a PSVR, it, it's less of a a gamble if I wanted to just give it a shot. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about these new Pokemon games and services. So you're the resident Pokemon expert here on the Bitspaces and Baskets podcast. So we have Pokemon Go Plus Plus. So like in baseball scouting, Plus Plus is something that's actually used. Like you can have Plus Power. You can also have Plus Plus Power. So that's what this makes me think of. So perhaps it was a baseball fan or a baseball scout that named this odd device. So Nintendo always, well, I don't know if Nintendo's to blame here or it's the Pokemon company. But either way, maybe not the best name, but we get Pokemon Go Plus Plus. It's a new Bluetooth device similar to the existing Go Plus, but will also act as a sleep monitor to coincide with Pokemon Sleep. Yeah, that's not even a typo. Pokemon Sleep is their their new game add-on that they're trying to push. They didn't release a whole lot of details about this one, except that they did say that this Pokemon Go Plus Plus is going to monitor your sleep patterns and when you wake up and will somehow interact with Pokemon Go and this other Pokemon Sleep app. So yeah, Pokemon Sleep. It's a mobile game slash app that monitors your sleep and wake time and will work alongside Pokemon Go. Meanwhile, we have Pokemon Home, a cloud service that connects Go, Let's Go, Sword and Shield, excuse me, that's coming out this holiday season, and Pokemon Bank. What the hell is Pokemon Bank? So Pokemon Bank was an online service that they had for the 3DS, and it was the way that you could transfer through all of the different generations that were on the 3DS, and there was a lot of them. Yeah, there sure was. Yes. Uh, you can transfer between all those games as well as some social media features. But that's not all. There's also Pokemon Masters, which is a new mobile game based on three-on-three combat and features popular trainers slash bosses from other Pokemon games so So, out of all of these things honestly pokemon masters kind of sounds like the most interesting one that's exactly what i was just gonna say yeah that is definitely the one that i think i'm gonna be the most into Uh, i enjoy playing uh, quick mobile games i I do a lot of commuting on the train getting to work and that sounds like something that might take a little bit of time away from my time spent on wwe champions which i still play religiously you do play that game quite a bit i like it way more than i want to admit it's (laughs) it's pretty fun Good time. So, Pokemon, if you're a Pokemon fan, it's a, it's a big Pokemon year. You get all sorts of goodies. You're going to fill up that entire memory card on your phone on Pokemon apps. Absolutely. Now, the real question is, is the Pokemon Go Plus Plus compatible with my CPAP machine? Uh, let's hope so. <laughs> I mean, they had to have thought about this, right? Exactly. I can't be the only gamer that snores. Up next, Phil Spencer of Microsoft fame. He tweeted some teasers for some big news that's coming from Microsoft at E3. We're, of course, pretty close to official E3, about a week away. He announced 
that there's 14 new first-party games to be announced slash discussed at the show. This would be the largest number of first-party Microsoft Xbox games ever announced at E3. So we know that the Xbox is very short on first-party offerings, and I think they're kind of taking advantage of Sony sitting this one out because I don't think they potentially have their next console lined up and they're going to try to milk out what they can, maybe try to catch up a little towards the end of the Xbox One's life cycle. But I mean, 14 games, that's a lot. I'm hoping they bring something to the table that's exciting, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I've heard rumor that uh, Fable is going to be one of the 14. Okay. And once that rumor started circling around the Mono household, Mrs. Mono was quite excited. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she's beaten the previous three already. And she's oh, like, wow. oh, oh, we might have to get an Xbox if they have a, <laughs> a new Fable game. And I haven't played through any of the Fable games myself, but I've seen her play through them. So I kind of feel like I played them. Uh, I would be interested in playing a new one as well. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, and that's a long-standing Microsoft franchise that we haven't seen in quite some time. So it would make sense that that would potentially be something that they could announce. They also teased that Xbox Game Pass is coming to PC. Now, I think that's pretty significant news. Xbox Game Pass is not a service that I currently have. However, whether it's on PC or Xbox... It seems like it's a pretty good deal. I would agree completely. Like, if you don't care about physical media, this seems like an excellent opportunity to not only play some games you may have played anyway, but also explore a vast library of games that maybe you wouldn't have ever paid full price for, but you have an opportunity to just check out. Now, the most notable thing with Xbox Game Pass, so Xbox Game Pass on the Xbox has a ton of games. Some games are there from day one. The day they were released in stores, you're going to have it available on Xbox Game Pass. And for those completely uninitiated, this is basically a streaming service of video games on your Xbox. So PlayStation does this with PlayStation Now. However, it's all previous generation games. Yeah. So like, if you didn't have a PS3 and you want to check out the PS3 library, PS Now is actually an excellent deal. Agreed. Because they have just about every notable game from the PS3 on PlayStation Now. With Xbox Game Pass, you get Xbox One games. Like, you're not just getting Xbox 360 games. You do get that, too. You even get some original Xbox games. You get it all. Now, the, the most notable thing here is the PC lineup is going to be different, at least from what we've seen and heard, from Xbox. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to have, there's going to be games available on Game Pass for PC that are not on Xbox. I think Xbox will always have the highest selection. That would make sense. But the reason I bring this up is not because I'm excited about Game Pass being available on PC. It's because I think there's a lot of things that point in the direction that Xbox Game Pass will be available on Switch. Mm, and you might be right. Clearly, there's going to be some Xbox One games that perhaps wouldn't run particularly well on a Switch. However, this shows us that they're willing to dictate a different lineup 
depending on the device. Right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I didn't think very hard about the possibility of it being on the Switch. But what came to mind when I read these two tweets back to back was, hey, 14 new games for the Xbox. Great. Hey, one of the main reasons that I might have wanted an Xbox you can is available on, on my PC. PC. Yeah. So I was like, you're sending me mixed messages here, Microsoft. Yeah. And, I'm and, not sure what I want to do. And that's why I don't feel like we're going to get another Xbox system, at least not anytime soon, because they're very much pushing the PC narrative and trying to get all their flagship titles available onto PC. And I think they might just abandon the console space altogether. I can't imagine that there's a lot of margin on the PC. And especially because if you're buying a PC in quotes, Microsoft is still making money because you're buying windows on it. Of course. And you still buy the same games so they're not really gaining anything by selling you a game console when any PC is just as powerful, if not more so. Absolutely. I, I think we're going to hear a lot about some potentially exciting games, but I don't know that they're necessarily going to be pushing towards, hey, you need to buy an Xbox. I think they're going to be pushing towards, hey, look at all these cool games we have coming out. You can play them on Xbox or your PC. Yeah, and it's a win-win either way because, you know, Microsoft is going to sell you something one way or the other. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of games that are going to be available on Game Pass for your PC, it's not like they they previously weren't available on PC. A lot of them are going to be available on Steam or whatever else it may be. But the point is with this streaming service, like I said, if the price is right, you're going to have an opportunity to play some games that you wouldn't normally pay full price for. So I think it's pretty neat that it's going to be available. And I'm interested to see if something like this potentially does come to the Switch because I I think it's highly probable. I think Xbox and Nintendo are going to have big presences at E3. Sony's sitting this one out. And why not be buddy-buddy while the other guy's on the sideline? Exactly. The uh, enemy of my enemy is my friend. Makes perfect sense to me. And if I remember correctly, Game Pass was something like $10 a month. Uh, I mean, it's, that... it's pretty cheap. Uh, I, I don't know the exact number, though. Yeah, I, I know it's in that ballpark, which to me is like, okay, if you rent one, two games a month from a Redbox, you basically covered the cost. So this is a no-brainer. I remember, um, so I'm just going to jump into this. Uh, we're, I want to talk briefly about a game that's getting a remaster. So there's so many games that get remasters and remakes these days. Uh, not all of them catch our attention. But Ghostbusters the video game, that's exactly what it's called, which was out on the previous generation of consoles. We're talking the Wii, the PS3, 360. It was also available on PS2. It was on DS. It was on everything. It was a game that I checked out at Blockbuster. Blockbuster, you you talk about Game Pass, $9.99 a month, whatever it is. Maybe it's 20 bucks a month. Doesn't matter. Seems like a reasonable deal. Blockbuster used to have a thing towards the end of Blockbuster where you could pay X amount of dollars. I don't remember the exact amount. I think the first time I ever did it, it was a gift to me. Like my girlfriend at the time bought it for me. But you basically got unlimited rentals over the course of a month. And one of the games that I remember checking out is Ghostbusters, the video game. Nice. 
uh, at that time, I got the Wii version. So here's the cool thing about Ghostbusters the video game. So if you're a fan of the original Ghostbusters movies, this is essentially the sequel, the modern-day sequel we never got. Now, I never saw the, the all-female cast Ghostbusters movie. I know it got a lot of flack. I'm sure it's fine, but it wasn't the original cast, obviously. This game has a lot of cinematics in it and has all of the original voice actors. Oh, nice. This was obviously before Harold Ramis passed away. Uh, it has all the original characters. And a lot of people think this is the the Ghostbusters sequel that, that never came to be. So here's the thing about Ghostbusters. We John and I play a lot of retro video games. Uh, like in the 16-bit era, you play the same game on the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. In some instances, you get completely different games. Yeah, that is very true. Ghostbusters, the video game, it's kind of like that. You play the Wii version, it's more of like a cartoony style. Obviously, the graphics were a little limited. You play the PS3 version, it's more realistic graphics and has a little bit different gameplay. You play the DS version, it's like a top-down view, and it's something completely different. Uh, Excellent. So and, there but the, is reason to buy more than one copy of this and it's, then. It's one of the very few games. So even the 16-bit era, uh, a couple years back, you might remember, I went through and I was like, you know, zombies ate my neighbors. Do I really need two copies of this? Uh, and I, and I, or like Captain America and, and the Avengers. Like there's certain games where, where have like clear superior versions. Yes. And I was like, I don't need two copies of this. So I would just sell whichever console uh, th- that I f- perceived to be the, the inferior version. With Ghostbusters, the video game, I have the Wii version and I have the PS3 version and they are very different. Uh, the point is, it's coming out. It's remastered. If you're a Ghostbusters fan and for some reason you haven't played this video game, I don't know when the release date is going to be, but it's coming out on all platforms and I'm pretty excited about it, and you should be too. So since it is coming out on all platforms, I wonder if the remake on the PS4 is going to be similar to the PS3 version, the Switch similar to the Wii version. And that's a good point. I don't know the answer, and it's worth pointing out the Wii version took advantage of motion controls very successfully. Uh, that obviously wasn't a thing on, on some of the other versions. True. So it is curious to to wonder if the Switch version will do the same thing, because... I mean, we know how how capable the Joy-Cons are. And I love the Wii for how many rail shooters there are. We haven't really seen any games take advantage of the Joy-Con in that way, which is kind of surprising to me. I am really surprised about that. I mean, a rail shooter would be perfect for a Joy-Con. Yeah, so I, I wish we saw more of that style of game. Maybe there's some indie games we don't know about. Uh, but as far as like physical games, I can't think of anything that, that really fits that that bill uh, but maybe uh let's hope that ghostbusters the video game remastered takes advantage of something like that here's hoping uh meanwhile let's talk about some games we've been playing uh you have been playing all sorts of stuff so infamous one of my favorite games uh, i know we've talked about it a few times uh how how deep are you getting now i put a lot of time into that one and actually ended up beating it over the weekend oh, nice job so i've completed infamous one uh, spoiler alert for this game that's probably like 10 years old at this point. Yeah, it's getting uh, there. The end of the game isn't really the end of the game. It seems like they set it up very well for that sequel. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm itching to dig into that one. I, I've got it sitting there. 
but I was like, all right, I put a lot of time into Infamous. I think I'm going to change gears, play something different for a while, and then come back to the sequel. So I ended up also spending some time in Dragon Fantasy. See, I don't know this one. This is one that I had teased a while back that I ordered from Limited Run Games. Knew nothing about it except for the fact that it was called Dragon Fantasy. It was in Final Fantasy slash Dragon Quest font. And basically, that's all I knew. Okay, we're going to get to that. But we kind of skimmed over Infamous. I I know you were lukewarm when you first started playing the game, but it, it sounds like things turned around for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, For me, when I first tried to play Infamous, I don't think I understood it. And it's one of those games that uh, doesn't come with a manual. So it's like, okay, jump in and play. Uh, I didn't realize that you could basically parkour off of anything. So there was a lot of me like looking for ladders and trying to find ways (laughs) to get out buildings. No. And if you're not climbing buildings, you're not playing the game right. So for me, it was like, okay, I, I had trouble navigating. And when you're starting the game, your character is very weak. You have a very limited power set and there's people shooting at you from all (laughs) angles. And if you don't know how to get up a building and hide behind things, you are screwed. So I remember trying to play that game because you spoke so highly of it. I was like, I keep dying immediately. I don't know where I'm going. I have no idea what to do. There's a theme of games that I like. Like I know Sonic Spinball you struggle with as well. Yeah, We've talked about that ad nauseum. Uh, Dark Souls. Or not Dark Souls. Bloodborne. uh, Bloodborne. Yeah. That's another one where... everyone dies in that game, but you just got to figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. That one got so frustrating (laughs) for me too, and I I set it aside. And maybe that'll be my next infamous. Maybe I need to read a manual somewhere and figure it out. But uh, yeah, I got very discouraged playing infamous back in the day. But then after playing Spider-Man on the PS4, which gave me a lot of the same kind of reaction, I was like, man, this is really hard. What am I doing wrong? I was terrible at the combat at that game at first, but I stuck with it and eventually I figured it out. And I was like, all right, you had mentioned to me that Infamous was very much in the same vein as Spider-Man or rather vice versa. So I was like, all right, my my curiosity is peaked. I loved Spider-Man very much. So I went back and I played Infamous and having the knowledge of Spider-Man yeah, it's funny that works, how that works. A yeah. game coming out 10 years later that obviously had some level of inspiration uh, could teach you how to play a game that obviously is its senior. Yeah, and it plays surprisingly similar. So I applied a lot of that same knowledge, that same skill set, and all of a sudden I fared much better. Yeah, good times. It's a great game. Uh, I think I think I prefer the second one, although it's been a while since I've gone back and played them. PS4 game is good as well. It's a little short. Um, But beyond that, yeah, it's a great series, and I'm hoping we see more of it. I'm actually honestly surprised that we haven't seen more of it, but I assume maybe that's that's on the docket for for PlayStation 5, hopefully. Uh, But anyway, back to uh, the second game that you've been playing, Dragon Fantasy. Oh, yeah. So this is one where, really, I knew nothing other than what Limited Run Games sent me in an email. I didn't know what to expect from it. They sold you. They got you. Yeah, they absolutely had me. It's like, okay, if it's based on Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest, I'm in. And I'm not disappointed. Uh, It's exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's a 16-bit RPG, uh, very tongue-in-cheek, a lot of references to both Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy, and it delivers on everything that I expected. It's very solid. So I've been enjoying that one quite a bit. Nice. And then lastly, Blaster Master Zero 2. So we both played quite a bit of Blaster Master Zero, and then the second, the sequel kind of came out under the radar, 
It was just like, oh, out now, like in some indie direct or something. And then uh, we hadn't checked it out for a while. It's been out a couple months at least, but now you're playing it. Yeah, that was one where I was really holding off, hoping that either Limited Run would put out a physical. I would love, let's get a physical with both of them. That's what I want. Yeah, I would buy that again wholeheartedly. But I figure I waited long enough. It probably wasn't getting a physical anytime soon. Uh, We still haven't seen a physical for the first one. So it's like, all right, I'm probably going to need to just buy this one and play it. Um, What ended up being the catalyst for me downloading this one, like I said, I was playing uh, Dragon Fantasy, enjoying that quite a bit. But that also means I was hogging the TV. And uh, my wife, she's been trying to watch a lot of TV lately. And she's like, hey, uh, you got a Switch game that you're playing so I can use the TV? Kind of hinting at it. And I was like, well, I don't at the moment, (laughs) but I guess I can. So I looked and I was like, oh, yeah, Blaster Master Zero 2. So at her behest, I downloaded a game to play and I was pleasantly surprised. It's very solid. I assume it's just more of the same? Uh, More of the same, maybe a little bit less polished, but I'm also only a couple hours deep into it. But uh, it's good. It definitely holds my interest. It's definitely worth 10 bucks. Cool. Good times. Uh, to the surprise of no one, I've been playing a ton of Magic lately, both online and in real life. Uh, and at the time of recording, in less than 24 hours, I'll be flying down to the Southern California to do some Magic playing this weekend. Uh, but I've been playing a lot of Magic uh, Arena, which is the online game. And they have monthly seasons where if you finish in the top 1,000 in one of those seasons, you essentially qualify for a qualifier tournament. Uh, and I had never previously tried, uh, only because my time is limited and doing other stuff. Uh, but lately, I've been playing a ton, at least for me. And uh, the season ends tomorrow, at the time of this recording, at noon. And I am currently ranked in the 400s. That's pretty good. Um, uh, the problem is it's it's a little weird system in the sense that so I haven't played at all since last night and I was actually out I was like 1500 at the start of last night and then I went on a, a pretty good run and got up to 300 something uh, and then I just haven't played today at all and I'm hoping that I can just not play and get into top 1000 but your ranking does decay over time. Uh, with other people playing of course exactly so i've been checking on it throughout the day just to see if i can realistically not play or not and before we started recording i started the day at like low 300s and right now i'm low 400s over the course of like eight hours or something so realistically i should be able to get to noon tomorrow yeah but if a bunch of people 600s or so if a bunch of people are making a last second push i don't know I, yeah. I don't know because, like I said, it's the first time I tried. I know previously when they first announced this system, people were really gung ho about it that very first month, and some people who were like six hundred something with a couple hours left, like barely made it by not playing. Uh, so, I mean, I only have a couple points of references of, of friends of mine, but I don't know. I I'm gonna check on it, you know, before I go to bed. But you know, I'll be working when this thing runs out. Like I I have to live a real life. If I miss it, so be it. There's always next month. But the fact that I I actually tried and and have a, a reasonable shot uh, feels pretty good. So just been playing a lot of that. Played playing a lot in real life as well. 
uh, and going to be doing that this weekend. And it's always nice to, obviously, I have the benefit to travel uh, at a very discounted rate, so I wouldn't normally be, be traveling as much uh, lately. Uh, but I get to go down to Southern California, hang out with some old friends of mine because I am from down there. So uh, as much as I love the game itself, uh, it's brought me some of the closest friends I have in my life. And that is the part that will always stick with me. So it, these these types of tournaments, the ones that I'm going down to, to SoCal for, are the type of tournaments we were playing in 10 years ago. And they went away for a while. So it's not like something that's always been there that I just skipped out on. It's like, no, these are the old school, like winner takes all, you get to qualify for the Pro Tour event. Yeah. And uh, those are always a good time, win or lose. So... I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little burnt out in the sense that like this is the most magic I've played since I was like 20 years old and I'm like 33 now. Yeah, you've been hitting it pretty hard. So, and all that while trying to work, you know, a normal nine to five and, and do that sort of thing. So, uh, either way, should be a fun weekend. Looking forward to it and uh, just playing a ton of magic. Hopefully, uh, it ends with uh, perhaps a qualification for a pro tour out in Spain, which is my birthday weekend. So I would that would be a really special one to qualify for. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, fingers crossed. Get it done. Yeah, we'll see. I made top eight in Spokane. I don't think I've talked to you about this. No. Uh, I went out to Spokane a, a couple weeks ago uh, and made top eight uh, out of like 150 people or something, uh, but lost in the quarterfinals. So that was a little bit disappointing end, but you can't win them all. I guess not. Uh, let's talk about our book of the week. It is Batman Last Night on Earth. Now, I let you skim through this a little bit. It is a DC Black Label book. Now, DC has been... This is only the second one that's come out. Uh, So they've basically launched a new imprint called DC Black Label. And it's basically going to be like a more adult-themed book. And the comics, uh, they're coming in, it's not like a hardcover, but it's its a more, what would you call this? I think they call that a prestige format. Okay, prestige format, that sounds good. The sizing is exactly the same as what a standard uh, floppy comic book would be, uh, but just a little higher quality. And honestly, it was five ninety nine. That's honestly not that bad. It's only like a dollar more than a regular comic. Exactly. Like the standard Batman books, they put an embossed cover on that. You're paying $4.99. So uh, pretty cool stuff. And they're not going to slam you with these things. It's a three-part series. Uh, this Last Night on Earth, worth pointing out, it's Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. And it's their, according to how they're promoting it, it's going to be their last Batman story together. And they, they've been doing Batman together uh, on and off. Uh, since New 52, and that New 52 run is honestly what got me into Batman to begin with. Like, I I mean, I knew some Batman stories, but, like, that New 52 run, like, really got me into Batman. Oh, yeah. New 52 Batman was fantastic. So, uh, Last Night on Earth is going to be a, a three-part series. It just came out this past week, and it's pretty wild. Like the story, so I had seen the cover and never paid close attention as to what is going on. Batman is walking around with Joker's head in some sort of lantern and talks to Joker like he's a full-blown human, except for he doesn't have a body. 
a little weird for sure and definitely darker than your normal batman tale yeah he's not one to be into severed heads no this book's a a little risque a a little darker than usual it's basically in the not so distant future next sunday ad uh and i guess this is uh, spoiler alert uh but definitely check out this book if you want to skip a few minutes uh so batman early on in the issue dies he falls for a trap he gets shot they don't really go into the graphics of it but he he falls for a trap okay and then you have uh later on batman waking up in arkham asylum he's young alfred is talking to him and he has all the memories of being Batman, but Alfred is telling him, no, you're not Batman. We've been through this. You're making this up. You're hallucinating, etc., etc." Interesting. And Batman never happened, according to, to Alfred. Uh, so, and there's all these doctors around. We're trying to help you. Like, get over this Batman thing. Like, let's live a normal life. Well, it turns out Alfred has used some sort of shenanigans to de-age himself. And he's actually quite old. And uh, the Bruce that we know in this time figures this out. And then he says, what the hell? What's really going on? You need to tell me what's going on. Turns out this Batman that wakes up in Arkham Asylum is 27 years old. That's pretty young for Batman. He's a clone of the Bruce Wayne that we know. Oh, geez. Apparently, this is covered in some detective comics issue that I never read, but Batman at some point becomes concerned that what happens to Gotham when he dies. So, he sets up a machine that creates clones of himself at (laughs) at 27 years old and has the memories up until the point that he's 27 and will basically recreate himself every... Every so often. I don't know if it's every 27 years because that doesn't make sense because then there would just be like, like assuming Batman doesn't die within the first 27 years. Right. <laughs> uh, you have a new, you have multiple Batmans. Anyway, so it's the not so distant future in the sense that Alfred's still alive. He's just very old. And then Batman says, screw this. You, you need to let me out here. I need to figure out what's going on. And Alfred says, the world outside is not how you know it. And things have changed. Everything's gone downhill. Everyone that you knew is dead. Turns out not to be true. Well, he doesn't straight up say that, but implies it. Sure. Uh, Wonder Woman is alive with a little bit different style. Like she's got a mohawk. She's a little jaded. Uh, Apparently everyone else in the Justice League is dead though, including the original Bruce Wayne. Uh, And it's just a wacky book. He finds Joker just like hanging out on a, in a lantern head and Joker's basically guiding him in the sense that this Bruce Wayne doesn't know whether what the hell happened. So he's bringing Joker along for the ride yeah. to like give him some guidance. Just taking along anybody that has any bearings on the world. And then like Wonder Woman is with like a whole crew of humanity like hanging out in the depths of the Earth's core, like hiding from the outer world. It's some wacky stuff. And you should read it because it's really cool. And... Uh, it's definitely over the top, and it's cool that this DC Black Label thing exists, 
because I'm not sure they would be able to tell this kind of story otherwise. But it's not like an alternate dimension. It's it's just it's just a different timeline. Like we're we're in the future a little bit. Yeah, it seems almost kind of similar to what they used to do with Vertigo books, because originally when Vertigo came out. It was still tied to the DC universe, but it was the darker stuff that they didn't want mixing in. Yep. So you'd get like Animal Man, Swamp Thing, the stories that were just a little too weird or horror themed for DC proper. And it seems like maybe that's what they're going for here with just like that little bit of a mature slant. Yeah, definitely more mature. Uh, It actually says mature readers on the back, just taking a quick peek. And the way that Greg Capullo draws... Uh, I, I keep saying that it's Capullo uh, draws Joker. I've always really liked that, and and just some really cool stuff. I mean, these two can do no wrong in my eyes as far as Batman is concerned. And it's not going to be like, I mean, we complained about X Men, just too many X Men books coming out weekly. It's just overwhelming. This is a three part series. You get a good amount of content for your six bucks, and it's bi monthly. This, the next part of this will come out in two months. Okay. Like, some might complain that that's too long, but I, I kind of like that. Like, they're not just going to slam you with this story. They're going to make you anticipate it a little, and I, I'm cool with that. Yeah, it seems like minimal investment for a high-quality story. I don't think one could go wrong with this one. And as far as the DC Black Label is concerned, there's some other cool stuff coming out. Uh, Batman Damned was the first of this imprint that came out and that was notable that got a lot of notoriety actually the first print of that book is like highly collectible and kind of expensive because there was a batman penis in it oh oh goodness Uh, somehow words i never thought would be so clearly connected somehow it went to print with uh, a, a, a penis outline in one of the the panels and then it got I, I clearly DC approved it, but I think it got so much press attention that they're like, okay, we, we can't print this again. Yeah. So the second print of that book does not have that, or at least they edited it, edited the art. So the first print is actually highly collectible. And so some, some Beatles white album stuff right yeah. there. <laughs> Guess Controversy. So. But yeah, they're doing some cool stuff with this DC black label. And there's, there's several other uh, Batman books that are planned. And then also like a Frank Miller Superman Year One. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, so, they're, so they're doing some unique stuff. Like I feel like Marvel doesn't take many risks like this. At least not recently. I know they had the Max line. Which was quite enjoyable. That, that was more adult themed. But we haven't seen a Max book in a long time. It has been a while. Uh, uh, goodness, five, six years at least. They, did, they've been, they brought back like Marvel Knights. But I don't really know what sets apart normal Marvel and Marvel Knights. Can you tell me? I think Marvel Knights was supposed to be more the street level heroes and sure. kind of separated. So but you that's weren't just like get... different characters. That doesn't. I don't. Yeah. Is it a different style book? I don't think so. I didn't think so. Max was definitely the one that set it aside, and they had uh, a Luke Cage book that was set in the Max universe. They had Nick Fury. They had Punisher. They were all fantastic. They were great. I would love to see Marvel do something similar. Give me Squirrel Girl Max. <laughs> uh, and some characters got their got their start on Max. Like wasn't Jessica Jones in it was the book wasn't called Jessica Jones, it, it was, was called Alias. Alias. Yeah, and I think that was a Max line. Yeah. So some characters were introduced into the Max line. 
you're listening to the Bit Spaces podcast. <laughs> what did I just say? Bit Spaces and Baskets podcast. <laughs> yes. If you made it this far, we do appreciate it. Be sure to subscribe. We're going to wrap up the show with some sports and some wrestling talk. So WWE, it's grown to be a little stale. Maybe it could use a little competition. We have AEW and their double or nothing, their big first major pay-per-view event. And we didn't watch it. Now, we were both pretty interested in it. For sure, yeah. They had my interest, and that's before I even heard about some of the surprises that came out of it. So I was definitely interested. However, the I never really looked into the price until like the day of. Yeah. And it caught me off guard a little. Uh, yeah, yeah. My jaw hit the floor when I saw that price tag. So maybe we've grown accustomed because normal wrestling pay-per-views used to be $50, $60 and they had been that way for ages. And yeah, or you wait a month and you rent it at Blockbuster. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that was that was an option back in the day. Uh, but maybe we've grown accustomed to the WWE network model. But at the same time, the pay-per-views don't feel very special. No, they don't. When you're when you're not paying full price, essentially. And when there's a pay-per-view every month. And there's like a pay-per-view every like two weeks. Yeah. Um, there. So now we have AEW, Double or Nothing. It was 50 bucks to stream it. That's a lot. It is a lot. And I think in retrospect, perhaps we should have planned this a little better. And and pulled our money together, maybe with another friend or two. Exactly. And yeah. then it would be more palatable, like maybe ten or fifteen bucks a person. I would have been in for that price for sure. Yeah, I would have too. But when I, you know, I had stuff going on that day and didn't really think about it, and then I and then I had some time, and I was like, all right, let's let's do this. Oh, fifty dollars. Yeah, uh, no, thank you. Okay, yeah, let's pass. Uh, but all things considered, I I read a recap. I've seen some highlights. Looks like it was a really good show. Looks like they did some really cool stuff. Uh, we we had an idea of what the card was going in. We had mentioned that Pac or Neville uh, was sitting it out. There's some sort of dispute there, which would be a shame if, if he doesn't end up appearing. Uh, John yeah. Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose, he actually kind of closed out the show with his surprise appearance. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, and you you got to see, if you're just if you're just a WWE fan, I mean, you still got to see plenty of familiar faces. You got to see Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes, of course, Gold Dust going at it. Oh yeah. Uh, it sounds like that was a pretty brutal match. Uh, like Dustin got busted open big time. Uh, and well, they're both super talented too. Is they're the thing. they're both like, super they're talented, and it seems like you know. As far as the the amount of blood that was involved in that match, like they're just not going to allow that in WWE. So this is an alternative, and I think it's good that there is an alternative option. And it's worth pointing out: fifty dollars for a pay per view—that's a lot. But they also have a TV contract. Like this is going to be on TNT. Yeah, and that's pretty exciting. And I'm hoping, I'm really truly hoping, and maybe this is the the optimist in me that this will make WWE better. Yeah, they definitely. Need, they I, need a shot in the arm. Competition definitely um, forces a better product out of both sides. Yeah, so I'm really curious to to hear what the AEW ratings are going to be like uh, once they actually launch on network television. Uh, but all things considered, you know, we can't talk about it forever just because we didn't actually watch the show. Uh, awesome Kong, a women's wrestler who uh, is pretty cool, definitely a different body type than than the standard affair. Uh, 
much better talent wise, I think, than someone like Nia Jax. Uh, she was a surprise entrant in their big women's match. Uh, one of the women actually in that match is transgender, so that alone is is pretty oh, notable. Oh, okay, yeah, that that uh, breaks down some barriers. So, so yeah, they're they're doing some different things in AEW, and I think it's pretty neat. And uh, they're gonna they have a lot of talent there, and it doesn't. It just seems like it's gonna be very different. Like they've just cram- straight out come and said like the promos aren't gonna be scripted. Nice. Like, like Dina, I I suggest I've only heard uh, bits and pieces of it. But I suggest you listen to the... Talk uh, is Jericho. Uh, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Uh, apparently, Ambrose came out and said, look, like he started the podcast with, look, WWE, I will forever be appreciative of what they brought to me. Obviously, I made a ton of money. Uh, I've gained a ton of notoriety to where I could, I have all these different opportunities now that I left that maybe mm. I wouldn't have had prior. Got action figures of myself. <laughs> uh, you know, I met my wife. Yeah. Like WWE was great. But towards the end, I was miserable. And here's a bunch of reasons. And, and now now that I've gotten it out of the way that I really appreciate WWE, I'm going to rip them a new one. Yeah, here's the real real. And that's basically what happened. He basically said, and it's it's not really a surprise, but he basically said, like, the writing there is garbage. They wanted me to do a bunch of stuff that I just couldn't get behind. Yeah, they were trying to get him to uh, cut some promos where he was basically making fun of Roman Reigns for having leukemia. Yeah, if you remember, the night that Roman Reigns came out and, and announced that he had leukemia yeah. was the same night that Dean Ambrose turned on on Seth Rollins and turned heel. Yep. And it's just like, that's such a weird time for them to decide to do that. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. And it really didn't. And then they, they had asked him, he didn't, he wouldn't even repeat it on the podcast. No, but no, he would they not. had asked him to, to say something detrimental about Roman Reigns and his battle with cancer and he was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, he said it was so bad that he, he was, like, stunned that they wanted him to say it in the sense that they're, they would have, like, lost sponsors and stuff. Exactly, yeah. Like, this is a company that, like, has, like, Breast Cancer Awareness Month and is, like, heavily backing Su- Susan B. Komen. Oh, yeah. And then what is it? Like, the the Connors Heroes and stuff? Yeah, they have, like, all, yeah, they have all these sorts kids of... fighting diseases. And he wouldn't even repeat it, which I think is really telling. Yeah. Like, I think if it, if it was like borderline, he probably would have just been like, yeah, they wanted me to say this, but no. Exactly. Like, obviously, uh, Dean Ambrose or John Moxley has a lot of admiration for Roman Reigns behind the scenes. And he just like, it's professional wrestling. You talk a lot of shit on people you actually like behind the scenes. Yeah, you have to. It's and part of the game. It's all tongue in cheek and you guys can be buddy buddy. Like it was clearly something that's really bad and like it's no secret that Vince McMahon is a little out of touch. And even there's been rumors that Triple H is like angry at Vince McMahon because of how stubborn he is. Because Triple H creates a great product with NXT and then those guys get brought to the main roster and they're a joke. Oh, guys yeah. and girls, but uh, very much guys so. loosely. Uh, EC3. Yeah, I, there's. Uh, I don't know. There's so many things that, common sense wise, would make sense to make the WWE product better. I think honestly, a lot of it is just like, cut the roster down. True. Uh, yeah. Focus on some people. Yeah. Focus on some people. Get rid of your talk sh- like four different talk show segments. During every episode of Raw, and what you don't like the moment of bliss, I Miz mean, TV. It's fine if it's occasional, 
but the seven second dance break, you need that. Like oh, like back in the day, back in the day when you had things like, I don't know, the barber shop. First of all, they created like a unique environment. Yes. Or like, what was the Paul Bearer one? Uh, oh. I, I, I can't think of it. It's escaping me as well, and that's a shame. But they were all outside of the ring. Yes. And occasionally they'll have one that's like on the ramp. But 90% of the time it's in the ring and it's just all the same shit. Like, yeah. Like what is it? Ambrose had like Ambrose Asylum. Uh, Miz has Miz TV. Yep. And like what is the difference between those two things? Uh, there isn't. No, there isn't It's just at who's all. holding the mic. And so I don't know. I could rant about this forever. But listen to the Talk is Jericho podcast because you get a lot of info that may be not necessarily surprising. Uh, and I know uh, Dean Ambrose was on the steve austin podcast yeah a couple years ago and he got a ton of shit for not being very open and steve austin just couldn't get much out of him and it sounded like behind the scenes after that interview they weren't too happy with each other but it's clear that it's a different story now that he's he's unshackled if you will exactly and i could totally understand not wanting to be open if you're definitely feeling frustrated at your employer yeah, but you're also actively being employed exactly and receiving quite a big push at that time mm-hmm. so hey, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds but yeah if you're free of that situation now then by all means and like you said not really a surprise So hopefully uh, this competition breeds a better product in both regards. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting about uh, what uh, Moxley says about AEW, the thing that he said was most appealing about his contract now, and he is under contract with them, is that he is free to do other promotions as well. Yeah, he's already got some NJPW stuff booked as well. So he's going to go to Japan and he can do some indie stuff on the side. And just a lot more flexibility and, and independence. And with WWE, like they're technically independent contractors, but then you have guys like Luke Harper who are, who are literally being paid to sit on the sideline and they won't let him go. Like he's like, just let me go. You don't have to pay me. Just let me do something else, please. Like yeah. you're not using me. They're like, no. And nope. they're like, nope. And it's totally spiteful. Absolutely. Like, like no disrespect to Eric Rowan, but how is Eric Rowan getting a bunch of screen time and Luke Harper's on the side? Like exactly it, it as far as talent wise it's it's very much the opposite yeah it's pretty bizarre for sure there's a lot of choices that wwe is making that i just i scratch my head at and i go i, I don't understand what's going on yeah so it's a shame because i want to like wrestling and it's on me for not buying this event because i bet i would have enjoyed it quite a bit but i i'm excited that there's going to be some sort of alternative and honestly it took i know wcw wcw was a disaster towards the end of their lifespan, but it took WCW overtaking WWE in the ratings for WWE to, to have a turnaround and improve their product. So I'm hoping we experience something similar here. Yeah. And it's been a long while. So I think that we're about due for that. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Uh, let's wrap up with NBA talk. So obviously the golden state warriors won game one of the NBA finals, right? Oh, yeah, they did it at home in front of the the Oakland crowd. Wait a minute. That wasn't the case. So Toronto wins game one, 118-109, and had home court advantage. I didn't even realize this until just before the finals started, but Toronto actually finished with a better record by one game. Yes, yes, which is probably easier to do in the East, just saying. Fair enough. Uh, But, yeah, they got it done. Drake and company. 
I, I feel like Drake is the most notable Toronto Raptor. <laughs> Drake wearing a Del Curry jersey. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, so just a little jab. Yikes. Uh, so pretty interesting stuff. Uh, and notably, Boogie Cousins did play off the bench. Eight minutes, zero points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's his stock has gone down. It was one of those things when he signed with Golden State. It's like, oh, man, he's going to come back half halfway through the season. He's going to dominate, and then he's going to get a max contract. And yeah, I don't think that's happening. No, no, not at all. Uh, which, honestly, I think is good for other teams because it, it makes a potentially great player available. But if he never reaches that potential again, then uh, it, it's a shame to see a, a talented player not live up to expectations. Uh, I think of somebody like Derrick Rose, where yeah. Yeah, they had all the potential in the world, and then an injury just cuts it just a little bit short. So Kawhi Leonard had a pretty good game. Uh, Toronto, you know, they're, they're in it. and Not a lot of people giving them, giving them a shot in this series, but, I mean, this is as good a start as you can hope for. Yeah, very true. I mean, they're, they're going to make a game of it for sure. I know everybody had said that it was a foregone conclusion that Golden State was just going to roll all the way through. and it They hasn't hadn't been... lost a game in a while, so it's, it was easy to think that. Uh, very true, very true. They swept our Portland Trailblazers, which hurt a little bit. But, you know, I mean, you, you can't doubt the talent that is Golden State. But Toronto is going to put up a little bit more of a fight than I initially thought. Yeah, I, th- I think it should be a good series. And Toronto, absolutely, they deserve to be there. They were the best team in the East, and they are showing it right now. It's been a while since uh, somebody, a non-LeBron team has put up a good fight against the Warriors. So we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, speaking of teams putting up, against, uh, putting up a fight against the Warriors, uh, we got Houston out here in the West, which has always been the, you know, if any team's going to do it, it's going to be Houston to take down Golden State. And, uh, you know, they've, they've got a few years under their belts now where Golden State just took them out of the playoffs. Uh, here we are in a situation where it seems like the brass at Houston is really only putting their, uh, their eggs in the James Harden basket. They have made Chris Paul, they have made Clint Capella uh, available, uh, as they're saying it. They're, they're shopping them around, seeing what they can get. Uh, I don't know of any other team that would just willy-nilly say, you know what? Chris Paul, CP3, yeah, he's available. You can take him. It's, it's such a weird thing out in Houston. They have so much talent, but just have never been able to put it together. And I, I guess it's been similar in years past with, with OKC. But James Harden, uh, I don't know. There, There's a pattern there. See, I, I'm of the opinion that if Golden State wasn't what they were, Houston would be rolling all over the West. You might That might be true. And it's always been Golden State that was ultimately who stopped them. But uh, it's even to the point now where Mike D'Antoni, their head coach, he decided that he's not going to pursue a contract extension. So things are definitely uh, stressful in Houston right now. Yeah, things sound a little shaky behind the scenes. Um, yeah, I wonder if we're going to see some people join up with the Lakers. I mean, you know, Chris Paul in a Lakers jersey, he tried to do it once before. God. Yeah, like 10 years ago. I mean, they, the deal was done. And then... The league nixed it. I have Such to imagine that uh, LeBron would not be upset if he had Chris Paul hanging out with him. I don't know that I've ever heard of that happening before or since, but it was really, really bizarre when that happened. It was just a weird circumstance where it was the league that owned the Charlotte Hornets at the time. Yep. So it, luckily we haven't had that circumstance since where at least all of the teams remain solvent. 
But yeah, that was a weird situation for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. I think that's going to wrap up our show here on the Bitspaces and Baskets podcast. That's Johnny Bono. I'm Shane Downey. Be sure to subscribe. Any final words? You know, just looking forward to seeing what AEW has to offer on the television side of things. Uh, you know, uh, maybe, the, at least for me, uh, I, I know that we had mentioned that $50 was a lot to swallow. I wish that they would have started with maybe something a little bit less high profile. But then again, maybe that was their goal was to come out of the gate swinging. But now that the barrier to entry is lesser, I, I'm happy to watch it on TV and see what it's all about. The one thing I'm a little surprised by, I actually don't mind the $50 price tag if you want to watch it live. But give me an option to watch it now. Yeah. Like, can, can I pay I watch, $10 and stream yeah, it? Exactly. Like, can I, I would totally pay $10 to watch it right now. And I'm kind of surprised that option doesn't exist. Agreed. Yeah. Maybe we can put that in a comment somewhere. Maybe. We'll at them. I'm sure they're, they're aware. All right. That's our show. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Cheers, everyone. Bye.